Oh yeah, all those settings are changed. Ah. No, that you fixed it. Ah. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I plugged the USB into the PlayStation, and then I had to plug wired ears into the mic so that I could hear the game. Weird, but and it worked you know, great. That's bizarre. It's amazing. I mean, it it makes sense, but it's just. Who the fuck does that? <laughs> Who streams directly from their console, anyways? To be fair, other than you. Uh, otherwise, I'd have to spend two hundred bucks on a capture card. Disgusting. Yes. Why buy a comic that might cost more than a ton? Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Welcome back to Dime Comic Bros Podcast. Oh, we're talking about comic books today. We are. Lots of comic books. Yes. I think it's all comic books, unless you have filthy movies that you want to talk about. None of mine are filthy movies, but Whoa. they're not comic books, actually. Uh, actually, I read a manga. No. That would still be a comic book! <laughs> We're back! We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1, written by Brian Michael Bendis. The second uh, actual, half actual, of Volume 1. Actually, it's Omnibus Volume 1 by Brian Michael Listen. Bendis, the second half, but it's more like two-thirds, actually. <laughs> so it consists of, like, six storylines. Um, the first one is... Phone. Fingerprint doesn't match. Suck my ass. I hate new phones. Yep. And oh, it's because I put my thumb in. <laughs> I'm dumb. Wow. Shut up. I've had this phone for like two hours. Uh, uh, the first. Of course, my Goodreads is logged out. <laughs> I told you that happens. Yeah. The first arc is a crossover with the all new, all different X-Men, which was also written by Brian Michael Bendis at the time, I believe. Um, it's the trial of Jean Grey, where there's, because plot reasons, it's the younger X-Men, but it's the original X-Men, but they're like 15 again, don't ask questions. Uh, they get pulled through a time thingy for the all new, all different X-Men run, because reasons, don't ask questions. Um, and then the, the Shi'ar are like, hey, this bitch did genocide a while back, we should probably put her on trial. But it's, but you see, because of time travel, she hasn't done it yet. I really like this arc. I thought it was the Shi'ar. Shi'ar? Shi really? I don't know. I've always, I've always heard Shi'ar. I don't know. Does it really matter? Probably not. Okay. Um, I, I skipped a lot of this. Or skimmed it. I have really liked this arc. Wow. I was hoping to talk about it last chunk, because this is like actually the, the midpoint. But um, it includes the entire thing, because it's only, it's only two books, and it includes the whole thing. It's like six issues. And it includes the X-Men ones and the Guardians ones in the right order. So you can wow. read it. Wow. It flows well. And the art for both of them is really good. There was a lot of uh, outstanding topics through the whole thing. And that's kind of why I skimmed it. It was like, all right, I don't know the setup. And I don't know the lead off, the lead out, whatever. The runoff. So I was like, this is literally just the trial. Okay, cool. I really like, well, that, yeah. It's just Harkening, you know, Baron Harkening. Harkening, ding, 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 ding. He's having a seizure. I'm thinking about a 13-year-old song. Just like the original Dark Phoenix saga, where she 
blow up a planet yeah. for reasons. Yeah. Um, this bitches be like that. Redheads be like that. Redheads be like that. Um, especially when they have like the 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 firebirdness going on inside them, you know? Um, I really like that's their period. Maybe. Um, this is a run I've been actually meaning to get to for a while because one, I haven't read it, which is great. Um, but like uh, there's something about the the art in a lot of that run in particular. I don't remember who does it, but um, the suits that they have for the young, old, new X-Men are really cool. I, I just, it's such like a brainworm thing, but they're colored really well. They all, they each character has their own color set. Like Jean has green and Cyclops has blue and Beast has orange, but like they're not like super over-designed suits, but they also clearly look like they're teenagers. Like the vibe fits really well, which I, I just, in in this story where they're surrounded by guardians of the galaxy and a t- you know a talking tree and a butt ton of aliens, they still stand out really well. Um, and what? also, just they're dr- they're drawn like teenagers. I hate to be that guy, but it's cool when comics don't like make me feel like a pedophile. What else happened in this second half of the book? Okay. Uh. 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 It's. Then followed up by a uh, few issues, which I believe is the Be Guardians Trade Four, which explains what happens at the what happened at the end of the last run, the uh, Lenet and Abning run, where Nova and Star Lord went off into the Cancerverse to beat Thanos into a pulp, and then we never really got a follow up to that because yeah. it's like, wait, why are these guys alive again? Mm-hmm. Well, at least one of them. Um, so we have like a series of flashbacks. Because it seems like every time this team is formed, it's under false pretenses. Yup. <laughs> and it's usually Peter <laughs> just yep. being a shit. Um, I thought that was a pretty good uh, chunk of this. Um, some of the art I wasn't a super big fan of. Some of the faces were kind of weird in that section. But I like the Cancerverse in, like, as a concept, and I thought that they used it pretty well. Um, just like it being like a cyclical thing, because cancer is when death isn't in check actually so like everything's kind of gro- like de- it, d- death doesn't exist so shit just kind of regenerates i thought that that was kind of cool the avengers are always dorky stupid fun because they're the avengers but bad you know um Oh yeah, during the the the, the first X Men crossover, Cyclops meets his dad because his dad went missing a while back, and he's been in space. Um, that was a known thing. That's been a very long. That's not a retcon or anything, but it's new for this Scott, which is pretty neat. Um, the Guardians and the X Men have a lot more crossover in like the uh, the abstract, I guess. Then mm. the more research I did, I, I went and did into a lot of this sort of stuff. There's a lot more stuff in common than you'd think. Um, during that, uh, Peter meets Kitty Pride, and they form a thing, which was kind of weird in my mind, because Kitty's always a kid. I so, think she's, like, 20 now, right. or around well, this time, anyways. Especially with all the other X-Men being young-ified. Yeah. It was weird. It, it, it's it, a little it, weird. It wasn't specified, so I'm like, what is going on? I mean, she's their professor, but also, like... She doesn't have a degree. It was just weird. It's a little weird. Um, I do like their chemistry. I thought that was done pretty well. But yeah, there's definitely a... It's a little weird. I get why they didn't continue that. I believe it's after... They, they did, though? I mean, after this run. Oh. Uh, Once Bendis got off the book. I think that yeah. was mostly him. Okay. Um, 
Then we have uh, the addition of Flash Thompson uh, as Agent Venom. Yep. Into the team, um, which I think is a really good idea as like the basically stand in for Iron Man. Like we need to have another Avenger Earth Boy on this team. The shame is they do very little with him in this yeah. entire fucking run. Uh, apparently he has his own spinoff title, which was pretty good at the time, but I haven't read it yet, so... It was cool, because they go to his planet, and his symbiote's like, hey, I'm all maybe, and yeah, his, some stuff happens, but... That, those couple of issues were also really good. We had, uh, yeah, um, I, I think that they took the very short time he's in the book, I think they, they wrote him pretty well. Um, Flash is one of those characters that's gone through so much change since his, like, inception, it's really impressive. Um... But, like, just having him be, like, the new POV character, I guess, and being like, wow, look, aliens, holy shit, what's going on? This is crazy. My gun's not as big as their gun. I should get a bigger gun. Mm-hmm. It's is very cool. Um, it is just a shame that he's in so little of it. Like, and I thought Iron Man wasn't in very much of the first half. Like, holy shit. Um, they also just use him pretty well as, like, they don't... <laughs> it's kind of dumb to say, I guess, but, like, they don't forget he doesn't have legs. Like, they actually use the symbiote well, like, as a part of his character, not just because it, it's cool, because it's cool. Like, that's... It, it, the fact that he leaves Earth is why the symbiote starts kind of going ballistic and starts, like, losing its, like, Earth-based programming. So he, like, the, the symbiote, you know, the Venom, however you want to name it. Like, the, the symbiote kind of goes back to normal, I guess, for, for that one, and then drags them all along. Um, getting the stupid Venomified Guardians was cute. Like, it's so stupid and over-designed, but I can't... But it's cool. I can't not like that yeah, shit. It's, it's so cool. dumb. Um, I was more just kind of mad it wasn't that much, like, substance-wise, of that. Um, I did like uh, Drax going up against Gladiator. Uh, um, th- these couple of issues just right where they're, like, trying to set up a new norm for the team that immediately gets quashed by an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it always does. But, like, I like those couple of issues. I wasn't super hot on a lot of the art in that section, um, especially just as the those couple of issues, like, wind down and then Captain Marvel gets introduced. Another character that makes sense to fit on the Guardians and be, like, a, a guest star whatever. The art just takes a big plummet. Like, it went from... It's the same artist in this, uh, these these few issues, and it goes from like fine to bad. Like, I don't know if this is just deadline shenanigans or if the person whose name on the book is not actually the one who did it. But like, the art style completely changes, and it's all this. It's apparently the same dude. I don't know. Just look kind of doo doo. Wasn't I a big fan. Had a very hard time reading this second half because they so clearly wanted to do something with the Guardians and make Peter Quill the the king of whatever planet his dad is king of. And Spartax. This whole book, his dad has been nosing in and being like, hey, I'm a king, you should join me and we can be kings together or whatever. And Peter's like, no, I'm not like you. And it, it, that, it's a running storyline to this whole book. And every five minutes, there's a new event that has to happen instead of that. Like, this whole book is spinning its wheels trying to do that. And then when they very act- frustrating. Yes. Um, the issue where they actually, like, take down uh, Jason, like, the em- like as the emperor or whatever the fuck his name is, um, I did like that issue. And then, like, 
Peter gets nominated to be fucking like president or whatever without his knowledge. I thought that was neat. It's just it is so weird because that's especially with the first half. Definitely felt like was building up to that idea. Yes. And then it, there's a little bit. Apparently, there's more of it on the other side of Secret Wars when Bendis continues this run. Apparently. There's more of that, um, and that's why Peter isn't in a lot of those books, apparently, from what I can gather. But um, really weird. There was one, I believe it's the annual issue, where it's mostly Captain Marvel-focused, and then we have, like, a random helicarrier in the middle of deep space where it has, like, the old, like, howling commandos on it, and they're just in, like, an eternal loop because they're LMDs. That was pretty neat. It didn't mean much to me, nope. but I thought it was neat. Or I it's like that one too, because I was like, "Oh, they're LMDs, and this is just a big fight in space." <laughs> it yeah. doesn't mean anything. It was. It, it was, was cool. It's fun. It made sense for an annual issue, though. To be fair, yeah. I prefer when annual issues are either it's either setting up the new like status quo, like filling in gaps, or it's or just, a just uh, it's just yeah, it's it's more it's a bigger page count. Yep. We did a little side thing, right? Um, so that was nice, and then I definitely like a lot of the art on that. Um, yeah, and then the next couple of issues are pretty rough. It was, uh, what was it, two or three Guardians team-ups where they go to Earth and they they team up with the Avengers to fight off the Chitauri. I fucking hated these issues. Yeah, it was it really rad. It was dumb. And the art wasn't very it good to look like at either. Heavily inspired by the Avengers movie. Wicked. Um, Wicked. Wicked, yeah. So it was Guardians team up one, I think it's one and two. Um, I liked that Hawkeye was in it as much as he was, especially because at this time so much of the Avengers were like not what we'd expect. Mm -hmm. So that was a nice like entry point. Um, everyone making fun of Rocket never gets old, but mm -hmm. like it just, it, there was so little to kind of chew on. That was kind of disappointing and the art just really didn't do it for me. Um, and then, especially because the two Guardians team up issues have different artists and they both have different styles and they're both not very good for me. They're just real weird. And then Peter's dad's army comes and gets Peter and he's in a bar chilling with his fiance now, Kitty Pride, and that me leads to freaking a little bit of drama between Peter and his team and they go to the planet and Peter's figuring out what it means to be a leader and he's just living off the perks without doing the work and then uh, there's one other crossover event <gasps> Uh, Black Vortex, another one I haven't read. Oh yeah, I skimmed that one too. I skimmed a lot of this half. The the problem with this one is so the, you get the issues one, three, and nine. Yes, because this wasn't just between two runs. This was between like five runs. Yep. So it was it was um, Guardians of the Galaxy, X Men. There was a Peter Quill spinoff book at the same time. Um, a Nova spinoff book for the new the new young young guy Sam. Um, and then there was another one. I think it was. Uh, it must, I think it was the Agent Venom book or Captain Marvel, whatever. Way too much stuff. I went and looked on this. It's like a 13-issue crossover. It doesn't have bad reviews, but this is very contextless. Like, there's these three issues have so much that happened between them that just barely makes any sense. The art's good. I like Valero Shiti. Um, that's, a, that's a dude who's made it very high on my list recently, yep. um, particularly because of Marvel's Gods yep. the past, like, few months. Yep. But yeah, it just, and this seems kind of like the culmination of most of what a lot of this run has been building up to, and why didn't you just include the rest of it? I know that's a lot of other issues to include, but like, it looks like it's a good storyline. It's just, there. it's so hard to follow because you only have a quarter of it, and it's not even sequential. 
you know? Um, and I then to look into that one with my membership and see if you can just read the event or if you have to read the crossover shit or what. It's only crossover shit. It's, on, it's only 12 or 13 issues or whatever, and it's only, you know, this run, this run, this run, rotate. <sighs> and I, th- I think it's an al- like an alpha and omega issue. Um, the last four issues... Um, Got a pretty bad reception. I was actually kind of impressed because I liked them. Uh, so it's the Guardians of Nowhere um, miniseries. It takes place during the Secret Wars event, which, if you don't know, was when the main uh, 616 Marvel Universe and then the Ultimate Universe got smushed together and Doctor Doom made the planet in his image and shit. It's one of the best Marvel events of all time, and that's only coming from the main book. The main book written by Jonathan Hickman is... Like, all-time Marvel high. This is kind of cool. The app has the reading order, so you just... That's good. Click it, and it has all the random issues in order. That's, that's how it should be. That's pretty freaking cool. Good. My goodness. Um, so it's another kind of... The world's been made over, and everyone's memory's been fucked over, and they barely remember each other, and why are we... We don't... I don't know you, but I know you, and... It was a big fight, and then the Guardians take over nowhere. That yeah. was the important part. Yeah. Uh, and the then it villain... says, to be continued in Secret Wars. Yeah. Bop, bop, bop. Yeah. Uh, there are so many of those, the like, the Secret Wars era. Like, every single line got its own, like, miniseries during that time. Yeah. Apparently, a lot of those are pretty rough. Which is just so bizarre, like, in comparison to Secret Wars. That st- that story is so fucking good. And you don't need any other context than what's in just the main book. Um, but I, I did like that. I really liked um, Mike Diodato uh, on pencils. Mm. Uh, he, he's really good at, like, making shadows. And also he throws people through a lot of walls, which mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a wall sexual, you may say? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the villain was really underwhelming and kind of dumb, but... For being, for kind of just throwing a bunch like a bunch of unfinished plot lines into a blender, that is what Doom did when he put his dick in the world and spun it around really fast. Yeah, I kind of like how that ends. It feels like a better ending for the like where the book is than if it was the end of Black Vortex, which was like a contextless event that I couldn't follow. This second half was really underwhelming. Really rough. So there's and you've been like after me because Volume Two is getting released this year. And you're like, ah, oh, we, we can read it on a day that call it takes off. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, ugh, but I don't know if I even want to pick it up. Kind of have to now, because this is one of the only times I've seen a numbered book get a sequel. True. <laughs> a numbered omnibus, I should say. To be fair, I'm pretty sure all the rest of it's pretty straightforward. I believe it's just, it's I like, so. it's they it's a new title for the book. I don't remember what it's called. It's it, like 1 through 19. This was definitely... The, the the story for every Guardians omnibus so far has been it gets wrecked by crossover events because they don't sell enough. Other, other than the uh, Andy Lennett and Gabby and Lenny omnibus, uh huh? Yeah. Because um, nobody cared about the Guardians. Though. Well, that was because they were writing the events. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, this one I think more than the rest of them felt really stop, start, stop, start, stop. Like every couple of issues it was turned into a new book. So there's um, the total like trades I guess collected in this one was Guardians four five, Black Vortex, 
Guardians of Nowhere, and then X-Men and Guardians Trilogy and Grey. And the rating difference I have between those those books is disgusting. Um, like, it starts off on a good note with the, 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 the Trilogy and Grey. It was like a four out of five for me. And then Guardians 4 and 5 were just bleh. And, it, ugh. It was... It was weird, too, because uh, Angela, like, disappeared for a hot minute and then suddenly just reappeared and there was no in-between, like, reasoning. What? Just pops in and out and whatever. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's real weird. I think that definitely, like, using Agent Venom and Captain Marvel as as new, like, members of the team, I think is definitely a good idea. If there was any level of breathing room to make this, like, not just a complete mess. I... (sighs) At least when the Al Ewing era of the book started going downhill towards the end with a bunch of events, I still felt like I could understand what was going on. Um pretty well and a lot of the art was still pretty good it was just difficult i don't know it was mm-hmm. this one i think is the most is the most difficult to read like even just reading it from start to finish just this one book is like i need to go check a couple of wikipedia pages yep. and there's you know one of the trades is only half included and so i gotta go look up what the hell's going on and yeah i don't know man this was Really up and down, like wicked. Every other storyline was like, that was really good. That was pretty bad. That was pretty good. That was pretty bad. Like, they're very, there's very little consistency other than most of the artists being pretty good. But not even, none of that was even like astoundingly good. Like, at least, um, at least a couple of the other ones when they were kind of going up and down between events they had like some pretty astounding art this was all for the most part good but it wasn't like eye-popping i don't know if it was just like this era of comics there was something going on in the water or what but like even like i said like valero valerio shitty and um sarah pacelli are a couple of my favorite artists and they're like they're good but they're not at their a game in this book at all so I just don't, I don't get it. So anyway, we mentioned that this book says uh, this story continues in Secret Wars. So I was like, ooh, I have that book. I grabbed it off the shelf and I took it to work and I read it. I read Secret War. I was going to say that. By that's... Brian Michael Bendis and art by... Gabrielle Delotto. Yeah, that's not the right book. Which is not the right book. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. It turns out I had to read Secret Wars, plural, written by Jonathan Hickman. More to come. Oh, boy. Aha! Anyway, so how- I read uh, Secret War by Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, it was written in 2005, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the fourth printing. 2004 and 5. Um, Nick Fury um, has tracked trends of a lot of uh, technologically advanced villains. 
B or C or even D list villains that have high tech technology. Is this is this White Nick Fury or Black Nick Fury? So senior or junior? Uh, I think it's White Nick Fury. So senior. Let me look. They both have eye patches. It's very goofy. Everything's racial with you. My gosh. Hey, I don't look at it, me like that. It, it's White Nick Fury. Okay, so it's senior. So he goes to the Pentagon and the president and whatever powers that be, and he says, "Listen." Uh, something's weird's going on, cause this D-list villain with a freaking goblin jet ride hoverboard thing doesn't make any sense. He was trying to rob a bank, and he didn't even succeed. We caught him. So how does he have all this money to have all this technology? Someone's feeding them money. Someone is behind the lines and has given all these bad guys the technology they need to be bad guys. And I traced it back to Latveria. Oh boy. We're gonna invade because they probably have oil. (laughs) I bet Dr. Doom does have a lot of oil. You know, his joints get kind of creaky sometimes. His his mask especially is creaky. And the president of all people says, no. We're not gonna invade because they have oil. Nick Fury says, fuck you, we're not. And then he takes uh, a couple of heroes. He takes uh, Wolverine and a Spider-Man and a Daredevil and a Luke Cage and a Black Widow. So that that would, that was, I think, Bendis' Avengers team at the time. Oh. I think. Interesting. Or most of those were, at least. That was all new Avengers, I think? I don't know. And uh, he invades Latveria. That's bad. Because they have oil. (laughs) And uh, then there's some mental fuckery that goes on because the heroes don't remember. And then uh, the bad guys come back a year later and they blow up the city because they're pissed that they got invaded. Because they have oil. Because they have oil. This was not a political allegory of the time at all. No! Did you mention that they have oil? (laughs) I wonder if Brian Michael Bendis has opinions on the Iraq War. (laughs) (laughs) For the most part, the story was cool. Um, It was... As always, it's interesting when comics take from real life politics and try to warp it into comics. Like, Civil War at the base is kinda cool because it's like, like this happened in real life and it blows little kids' minds. Like, whoa, really? No, not sort of, but kind of. It's kinda cool. But usually when it happens, it turns into beans that are bad, bad beans. Is this your theme for this week? <laughs> no. Damn. See, I was gonna do Secret War and then Secret Wars because I realized my error, but then I hit issue two of Secret Wars and it was like, so 3,000 years in the future. There's a lot of shit in there. And people were talking and nothing out of issue two made sense. So I got stuck. <laughs> so my theme was shot for the week. Uh, The artwork for this run is absolutely amazing. 
It looks... Okay. It looks like Alice Ross did the artwork. It looks like Marvels. That's Mar- hot. Marvel, whatever the frame. Marbles. There's so many of books in that series, but this looks so cool. The artwork is awesome. I immediately opened up to a case file twice. <laughs> the problem is there's a lot of case files, which is cool again because there's a lot of care put into them, and it's a lot of effort in the reading or in the writing. <clears throat> But it is also a lot of effort in the reading. Ooh, and painting. Ooh, oh, it looks so good. Oh, 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 looks so good. The case files look like ass. It is very difficult to read in the first place, and the colors of the the I don't know what it's supposed to be the the operating system or whatever. The graphical user interface doesn't look great, so it's very hard to read. And it's kind of boring. A lot of it retreads what we found out in that issue. The case file is hit at the end of the issue, and it just retreads the same information that we just found out. So it's a lot of useless information not presented in a pretty way. That's lame. Boring. Um, I bought this, apparently, for 25 bucks from a Bulmos. That's pricey. Used. Yeah, and that kind of was a letdown for me because it does look really, really good. And it's a kind of cool premise. Uh, it's better as a headcanon thing. Like, I love when the Avengers go and do war crimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but only in my mind. I don't know, 15 to 20 would have been a good price for this book. Yeah, like normal cover price? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so weird. It must be out of print or something. I don't know. I don't see it. Usually Bull Moose doesn't milk it like that. Yeah. Bull Moose. Let's see More what More like Bull Moose bullshit. Yeah. Oh, 25 is the cover price for this one. Weird. Seems a little, little steep. It is, kind of. How many issues is it? Five. Mm. And then there is an extra one in the back. Of course. Uh, Nick Fury's case file log book thing. And it's like just profiles of Marvel characters. That's I, that's probably racist. I, I like that. Did not read it because it was entirely all the logbook from the rest of the run, Ugh. and it's ugly and boring. That's lame. It was fine. Um, so I, I'd give it like three and a half out of five stars. It, the if it was all just like an actual comic book in this art style it'd be amazing it, it would be at least a four stars but it's not it a lot of the other stuff drags it down that sucks i read star wars padawan uh which was written by Kristen white i believe please hold sorry kirsten white Kirsten, or is it Um, I think it's Kirsten. Uh, It's a YA book, so, you know, for the the teenagers. Um, And it involves Obi-Wan as a Padawan, you know, as the title implies. Uh, Saying, you know, me and Qui-Gon just aren't really jiving. He's kind of detached, and we don't get along great, and he doesn't doesn't like the rules, and I like the rules, but I'm going to go break the rules. 
So he like wanders into a, a random part of the Jedi Temple that's off limits. He finds some weird inscriptions in the wall, fucks off to another planet that's apparently undiscovered. Turns out it was discovered a while back by some other like random random settlement of people from assorted galaxies. There's a bunch of different species already there, but it's like a weird colony of children. It's not as Lord of the Flies as I expected. I wish it was a little more Lord of the Flies, but um, it's just this little colony of kids, and they kind of have the Force, but not really. Basically, as the, you go through the book, you find out that they're kind of stealing the life essence of the planet inadvertently, sort of, um, and eating it is weird. And they get kind of like Jedi powers. So Obi-Wan's like, ah, you're like me. I can live here and we can be friends because Obi-Wan's like 15 or 16. He's going through his phase. You know how it is. They don't think it'd be like that, but it do. Um, (laughs) And then turns out that there's a big plot by some of these kids, like uncle or whatever, from like one of the previous generations of people that like crashed on this planet or whatever. Uh, He's going to come back and steal all the shit because he's a bad guy. Um, And Obi-Wan is smart and not an idiot and realizes this and then tries to fix it. And this is also the book where he meets uh, my favorite Star Wars character, Dexter Jetster, my boy. Come on. What? Don't lie to me. Your favorite Jedi is Kid Fister. My favorite Jedi, yes. (laughs) My favorite four-armed creature in Star Wars. Oh, okay. Average New York diner owner. Um... He's like a random crewmate on this bad guy crew of mercenaries or whatever. And he's like, hey, I think killing kids is bad, actually. I'm going to help you guys. Um, I probably did a bad job of explaining it, but this book is actually pretty good. Um, The YA books are usually pretty solid. Most canon Star Wars books are very good to some extent. There's a pretty good level of quality. Um, But the YA ones are kind of pretty engaging. Um, They're they're obviously written in like a different font. The, The... the pages are the book is smaller, but the font is bigger, so that the pacing's different. You know, it reads like it's for like teenagers, but it, it goes through a lot of like teenage angst and like identity stuff and like I don't belong here and you know, um, Obi Wan being all mad because he's like, oh Qui Gon, it doesn't like me and I don't like him, but I want him to like me and the other kids don't like me anymore because I'm a dick and like whatever. Just typical like teenage bullshittery um, because Obi-Wan is a fucking narc, you know, the, you know how it is. Um, by the end of it, they, they, they resolve the conflict. He goes back and Qui-Gon is like, damn, bro, that's actually pretty fucking epic. And now they're friends. Um, it was written pretty well. I was actually kind of impressed with how much I was engaged with this one. Um, the action sequences are written pretty well. The per, like interpersonal dialogue stuff is handled pretty well. I actually remember the cast of characters. I'm just not going to go through all their names because that would be kind of dumb. Um, the planet is described really well. There's a lot of good like force pontifications about balance and life and, you know, not just taking but giving and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, it also just kind of gets into, like, Obi-Wan's had gripes with the Jedi from, like, day one, basically. He just doesn't express them very much when he's dealing with Anakin because, like, in a sense, kind of like Qui-Gon was to him, not necessarily the best match. Um, So he doesn't connect very well with Anakin on a certain level, so he's not able to be honest, you know, in a lot of the things that he does find the Jedi are failing at. But Obi-Wan has some, you know, a personal experience with the Jedi being sucky and stinky. He just kind of keeps it to himself, which isn't good. Um... I, I really do. I really dug this. Um, it has a really nice cover done as well. It's it's a it's a digital like painting drawing of 
a very young looking Ewan McGregor from Phantom Menace, but like five years before Phantom Menace, which is really weird, but it looks good. Um, it's fun. I bought it for like 25 bucks. It's hardcover. Um, I think I got it off of Amazon at the time. Um, it's, it's a solid way Star Wars book. It doesn't connect to very much, which is nice. It's not in a series. It's just a disconnected book written by a YA author. It's just, Hey, we want you to write a Star Wars book about Obi-Wan doing Obi-Wan things. And that's pretty neat. It does mildly connect to the next book I'm going to talk about, but not really. So that's cool. That's cool. I, this, this, this would probably be a banger audiobook, like every Star Wars audiobook. They're all bangers, but I actually read this one on paper, I swear. What else did you read? I wanted to read Secret Wars, but issue two goes 3,000 years in the future, and nothing made sense, so I'm going to take my time and not review it. I'm going to hit you with a one-two punch instead. What do you think of that? I read uh, Universal Monsters colon Dracula number one, written by James Tiny Onion the Fourth and art by Martin Simmons. It came out last year, and uh, it is part one of four. It is incredible. Dracula. Uh, Does Dracula do the big sucky suck? It takes place near the halfway point of the book, maybe near the end of the book, whatever. Where uh, the boat has come back to America. And Dracula was on the boat. You might have seen the movie. The, the movie Dracula on a boat. I haven't seen the movie. You should. Get I'm to that. dying to see it, but it hasn't hit any streamings. That's weird. Um. So, uh, there's the guy that's locked up because he's starting to go cuckoo, and he can hear his master talking, but it's in fact the demon possession, but from having his blood sucked, or whatever. And uh, he's saying all the crazy things because Dracula is here and he's going to kill everybody. And Dracula is here and he kills everybody. Holy shit. It's so cool. The art is amazing. Uh, so this is more based on the book than it is the movie. Right as here. far as I can tell. Which is weird because it looked, the covers make me think that it's based off of like the, the movie. The 1993 horny, I mean horror movie. I was gonna, not going to say 1993. I, I was going to, like, the the Bella oh, Lugosi one. The old, old one. I don't know. I haven't seen that. Really? But I have read it. Dracula a couple of times. And Banger. It, it, as far as I can remember, it, it was a pretty one-for-one one translation. And it looks amazing. Mart, I am terrible with names, and I was like, "Holy shit, this looks like the art from uh, the the, uh, the Department of Truth," and it is because it's the same, it's the it's the same, same guy. guy. <laughs> it's the same creative team. Holy oh my shit. gosh! Wow, I nerded out pretty bad when I read it. It's it, cool. It looks so cool. Um, yeah. Apparently, issue two is taking its time to come out. And that's a good thing because it took me a while to actually read this. I got it for Christmas. It was a Christmas present at the family Yankee swap or whatever, Secret Santa, whatever. And uh, it was a fantastic Christmas present. It, cover price is five bucks. I got it for free and I'm very happy. I will be putting it on pull list if it ever comes out. <laughs> that's a good point. I believe they're continuing this line. I don't know if it's the same creative team, but I think they're doing this with other like Universal Monsters as well. I think they well. are doing other Universal Monsters. I don't think it's the same creative team. So sad. James Tynan should write every book. The second punch is I read uh, The Batman, The City of Madness, Upside Down World, written by Christian Ward. Ward. 
And also arted by Christian Ward. Is it? Yes. I know things. Also alternative artwork style. It's it's weird and funky and adds to the themes of the book and it's great. This book So issue two I complained was like Edging. basic in its twists because it was like what if there's a Gotham but it's the under Gotham. It's the Gotham below. And it was dumb. But issue three is the finale and it throws a couple of really good twists. I am impressed. Uh, people might get butthurt about the last twist. I like it. Does Batman turn into a giant bat kaiju? Wow, you nailed it. Damn it! No, you're wrong. Does he turn into a giant Cthulhu kaiju? He turns into a Joker kaiju. That makes sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Shut up. <laughs> Just let me have it. Um, let me think I'm smart. I still like the the last twist because I, I can't even talk about it. This is going to be interesting. It's cool. I need to it's, borrow these off of you because awesome. I'm not waiting for this fucking trade to come out. It's going to be it forever. Definitely buy the trade. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, typical... Black label price is what seven or eight bucks? I think worth it. Absolutely. Issues one and two got four out of five stars. This one got five out of five stars. I'm very happy. Nice. Looks awesome. Very fun story. I don't remember if I actually ended up talking about Aquaman spooky. Andromeda. They're both on spooky. the yes on the show. I I don't I, remember if I, I did. I I did quite enjoy that like a lot. It I know you. I think it was you. You were, I think Colin read the first issue, we just weren't as engaged by yeah, it. Yeah, I was iffy about it. The artwork was cool, but the story was meh. Yeah, as I, it definitely took me a while to get into it, to be in the right headspace for it, but holy reference city. It's got like, really? it references Wes Anderson movies. Like it's really, it's got a bunch of shit in there. I, I really did like that. I, I, Ram V and Christian Ward are an interesting team, but I'm interested to see how Christian Ward does on his own, just doing his own thing. He did he, great with this book. He's got some good art skills, man. I'm very happy. Big brain. That's nice. I read another Star Wars book. Oh my gosh. You thought it was going to be a Star Trek book, didn't you? I nope. bet you did. Nope. Loser. I was expecting it to be another YA book. Not, not quite. Because you've been hitting those pretty hard, too. I've been trying. I've been trying to spice it up a little bit. Uh, so I read... Poor word choice on both of our parts. Young adults. I am you, papa, not pedophile. Hitting them up. I like to spice it up. Oof, that's true. <clears throat> I am not pedophile. I am papa. <laughs> um, I read Star Wars Brotherhood, which is a regular adult novel uh, written by Mike Chen, who is a uh, science fiction author. Um, I believe he made his like debut for Star Wars doing one of the from a certain point of view like anthology books, which are actually pretty cool. They're just like based around each movie they'll just have random characters and be like this is what they think about the Star Wars and those are always fun um, I have not read all of them so I don't think I've read his contributions to those yet uh, Brotherhood was a fucking banger this was great um, so this follows directly after the beginning of the Clone Wars so you know Padme and, and Anakin are you know <laughs> going on dates and bumping uglies there's oh, all yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're doing a lot of that. Does um, it get into the bump and uglies parts? No, it's a man. No, it's a Disney book. Calm Come down. On. There's a lot of flirting going on though. Um, 
So it, it, it takes place primarily How from... do you like my lightsaber? Yeah, pretty Is much. Is it big enough for you? It primarily takes... Why is it red? <laughs> That's a secret that'll help us later. Are you into choking? <laughs> it's Obi-Wan, isn't it? He's turned you against me. This book primarily takes place uh, from two perspectives, like a lot of the Star Wars books do, especially the adult ones. They are usually from two POVs that twist into each other into the third act. Like Padme and Anakin twisting their 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 tails together like an avatar. <laughs> um, so it follows Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan. There's a big bombing on Kami- on. Kamino? No, I'm stupid. Uh, Kato Nemoidia, uh, which in case you... It, Kato Nemoidia. Okay. So in case you don't know your Star Wars politics, Nemoidia Beans. is... Yes, typically speaking, is Wait. assumed to be a separatist-aligned planet, but that's only because Newt Gunray, the head of the Trade Federation, which is a company, is part of the separatist movement. But the planet is neutral. What? I'm raising my hand because I have a question. Does what? this planet have oil? <laughs> they have a lot of things on this planet. I knew it! Um, they actually do a really good job of kind of fleshing out this planet. I was very impressed. So it goes into a lot of, yeah, the beans of the, the, the Clone Wars. It was really complicated stuff. It, this is like triple the depth of Clone Wars, the animated series. Um, they really get into the nitty gritty of like, people have opinions. And no. yeah, it's true, uh, sadly. But when, you know, the Senate has their hearings, the people whose opinions reflect the majority of the planet are not being heard because the people who are in the Senate are from the Trade Federation. You know <laughs> so what it's kind of cheating. Assholes have opinions. It's true. Assholes do have opinions. <laughs> My asshole has an opinion right now. It's got a brick loading up. <laughs> just waiting for an, like a random ejector switch to just pop up in my like my HUD, and I'm just gonna hit the button. <laughs> um, bombs away! <laughs> so speaking of bombs, uh, there's a weird bombing that happens on Caden Amoidia, and you know hmm, the Republic. The Republic. Yeah, exactly. The Republic is like. Yo, that shit's sussy. We should check it out. You know who they send? They send Obi-Wan, because you always send Obi-Wan to do everything. And then he is doing his investigation, and who does he meet? They should have sent Anakin to commit all the war crimes. Nope, he does get to those later. Oh, okay. Um, he meets Asajj, Ven- Asajj Ventress for the first time, Ooh, which was done... Booby lady! She does not have big boobies. Goth know, booby lady. Really small boobies, actually. But goth, yeah. goth mommy. Yeah. Big goth mommy. Uh, so they meet for the first time, canonically, in this book, which was handled really well. She is also sent on behalf of the Separatists, because they all want to clear the air, find out who did this bombing. It wasn't the Republic, we swear. Turns out, it wasn't the Republic, but it was kind of the Republic, but it was kind of the Separatists. Um, as usual with everything in Star Wars, it's like a triple twist. Um, did Asajj have hair? No, she's never had hair in her entire life. Mm. She's an entirely hairless being. I think. <laughs> Don't quote me. Um, yeah, it just it, it gets into the nitty gritty. There's a lot of really cool, well developed characters in like the Kadenomoidian like uh, military that work with Obi Wan, and they're all like, "We don't trust you, but we trust you more than we trust the sussy lady in the black cloak over there. She seems weird." Um, stuff like that. Uh, Anakin and Padme primarily are just going on dates and flirting for half of this book. <laughs> it's great. It's like every three chapters, there'll just be a short little chapter of Anakin and Padme going on a secret date and then eating dinner and being like, I'm gonna put a flower in her hair. It's really cute shit, honestly. <laughs> it really sold me. Um, 
So that, that's just, yeah, it was, that was neat. Um, and then Anakin uh, gets an assignment. He has to train younglings or whatever. And then one of the younglings is like, I don't want the Force, actually. I think the Force is annoying. Because she has one of those weird powers where she feels emotions or whatever. Not being a sociopath, I guess. I think um, that's called being a woman. True. Um, so, like, she's all, I don't I don't think I want to actually be a Jedi, I, but, you know, I want to help people, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Anakin's like, yo, you got problems with the Jedi? I got problems with the Jedi. We're friends now. Um, and then they end up going to Kaden Omodia for plot reasons, and then the, the plots coalesce, and then they all do a bunch of chase sequences, Whoa. and then they're like, Jedi stinky, but Republic also stinky, but Jedi the people are good, but the Jedi order kind of stinky. Um, there's a lot of fights, pretty cool. Uh, lots of bombs, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there are three bombs in Gotham City in this book. Um, and then the end of the book is, is, uh, Yoda being, you know, walking up to this youngling and being like, you know, cause they're like the same height and is like, you did good. Do you want to get assigned to a, a master and become an apprentice? He obviously says this in Yotard, y- Yotard, <laughs> True. Yoda retard speak. Um, Yotard. and then she's like, actually I want to leave because the Jedi are weird. I want to use my powers for not this. Cause this is weird. I don't like it. I don't like being a part of the military. That's actually kind of like the large impetus of this. This is the the moment when younglings and apprentices started getting pulled into the military in, in the Clone Wars. They're like, fuck, we need child soldiers. Who do we call the Jedi? They got a bunch of kids. Let's throw them into war. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of politics in this book. But it's really well handled. Um, this was fucking awesome. Like, this, this was, sounds like something Colin would really enjoy. I think you'd enjoy this, to be fair. It's not like, no, no. So there's, there's, there's Star Wars doing beans. It's just there's Star Wars doing beans where it's like it's like reading a Thrawn book. It's very literal <sighs> political strategy and spaceships. I love that shit. But if it doesn't do it for you, it doesn't do it for you. This is also Jedi has lightsaber that go burr. But also like, why are we killing civilians? This seems weird. You know stuff like that. Um, this is wicked good. I also listened to the audiobook version of this. I do own the physical hardcover, but I just, the audiobook was free, so. Nice. Why the fuck not? Right. The Star Wars audiobooks are always like head and shoulders above everything else. They have sound effects and they play Star Wars music, so of course they're perfect. The cover price for the book, I think it was like $29, which, depending on how you view books, could be a little pricey. It's about a 15 or 16 hour audiobook, I believe. I think it's worth the price if you're into it. Um, I mean, if you're not, it's probably not going to be like, oh, this is the thing that'll make you enjoy Star Wars. But it's a pretty good balance of, like, fun action-adventure stuff. There are still younglings around. There's some fun young love romance stuff. And also, Obi-Wan aggressively flirting with Asajj Ventress, but also she's evil and he should not flirt with her because that's bad. That's bad. He needs to go back to his Mandalorian princess. It's true. That is the show. Thank you for listening. If uh, anything we said or did brought a smile or a tear to your eye, please consider going to patreon.com forward slash Bros and sign up under one of the life paths you will find there. It's like an RPG. Uh, choosing one of these four life paths will change your life. Trust me. It's choosing your lightsaber color. Maybe that's what we should change it to <laughs> on year 10. When we get there, give up the Robin inside jokes and and go for lightsaber colors. With red being the premium.
like you can fondle our balls if you want a thousand dollars a day package <laughs> package <laughs> thank you also to Jetpack Comics and Games in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire oh shit I forgot to mention uh, Caitlin and Jeff Lawrence chose life changing paths and it changed their lives and they're forever grateful uh, thank you to Jetpack Comics and Games in Rochester, New Hampshire they provide us comics and games because we do both it's true we do do both listen to the show you'll find out uh, mm-hmm. Also speaking of that, the uh-huh. free comic book day is coming up the first weekend in May. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, this apparently is going to be the last year that Jetpack will be hosting like a big mega festival. It's true. Uh, and we will be there. You should come visit us. Yep. We're doing cosplay. Mm, probably. Probably. Uh, also, also. Also, also. Colin. Colin. Finished his book. He did. He did do and? that. And? It's He's good. Probably gonna sell it at Free Comic Book Day. He might not be at that Free Comic Book Day, but he will be at a Free Comic Book Day. Oh, uh, is he gonna be sucking off his daddy and going to? I don't know yet. To heaven like he knows. With Jeff, he, Colin doesn't even know where he's going. <sighs> to be fair, if Jetpack no longer has like a big festival thing, we'll then need to migrate down to Jet to, to Stairway anyways. So. Colin finally finished uh, the first issue of Space Adventure. It's a fucking banger. Uh, go support him. It's yeah. linked in the description. Yeah. Uh, go support his Patreon. You can read it digitally for, I think it's like $2. Yeah. And then if you're on the bigger tier for like $5, you can get the physical book. It's not in yet. He's working on that. Yep. But, it's at the printers right now. It's happening. And then Colin will like... Stay calm. It's happening. Yeah, he's going to like put on lipstick and then like kiss every individual copy. The only Johnny Bravo episode that I ever remember seeing, because I wasn't allowed to see it as a kid, and then when I got old enough, I didn't have access to it and didn't care. Uh, The only Johnny Bravo uh, episode I saw... Is the Scooby-Doo crossover? No. had something about butt prints. He had to... He was uh, commissioned for his butt print or something. That's what Colin's going to do to his comics. Crimson... Crimson... Crimson crimson condom. I can't talk today. Wow. Next week is news. Please tune in then. Yes. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye.